This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk, the next generation of fantasy football. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Homesdale Radio Preview Podcast, episode 19. I'm your host, Terence Ford of RedandBlueArmy.co.uk, and I'm here along with Nick Philpot and Ed Kellaway to try and take your minds off the abysmal league form by turning our attention to the FA Cup and the visit of fellow strugglers, Manchester City. We will not be talking to a City fan this week, but we will be joined by the Roker Report to discuss Patrick van Arnholt before remembering some classic fourth round FA Cup ties throughout of our history. Before all of that, remember to head over to holradio.net forward slash subscribe to ensure that you never miss another whole radio podcast. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. Nick, you're there. I'm here. Good evening, boys. How are we both? Good. How are you? I'm all right, mate. Very well, thank you. So, um, a little birdie tells me that you're hosting the review show on Sunday night live for the first ever time. This is the first time in my history I've been on the uh, whole radio team for four or five months now, and I've been entrusted, no, you know, some thanks to you, of course, to my first ever show with a, a team of my choice. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be sort of like Pap Soiree-esque proportions of a car crash, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, you know what? And as if I wasn't nervous enough as it is, and you've done everything to appease that. Thanks, mate. No worries. You know I'm always looking out for you, Nick. <laughs> and Ed, you, um, sorry to the listeners. He's, he'll be sounding a little bit rough. He's feeling a bit sorry for himself after a stag do on the weekend. It wasn't yours, was it? No, no, it wasn't mine, but... Uh... Yeah, feeling a little bit rough. So, where, where did you guys head to? It was Cardiff for the weekend. So, yeah, nice, quite, quite a few drinks. Nice couple yeah, just of a, dinners. Yeah, yeah, just Low a key. spa, spa weekend, <laughs> massages, that sort of thing. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course it was. Yeah, what happens in Cardiff stays in Cardiff, including that so. penalty shootout <laughs> loss that we had that time. Um, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, um, Fraser Campbell didn't stay in Cardiff. That's one of the problems. <laughs> Uh, right, so let's start with a little bit of house cleaning around the week. So Wilfred Zaha, Ivory Coast, have, I'm, I'm going to say unfortunately, been knocked out of the AFCON. <laughs> um, but I'm not sure that I actually mean it. Um, of course, they 
uh, failed to even win a game, just drawing two and losing in the final game to Morocco. Um, what, what, what do you think the experience would have done for Wilf, Nick? Well, it's what he wanted, wasn't it? He wanted some international recognition. And I think, let's be honest, as Palace fans, we all believe he should have had inter- international recognition with England. But he's, he's chosen uh, the African Cup of Nations. Um, it won't have done him any harm. He seems to, he appears to have been substituted in two of the games that I saw, uh, yeah. which was slightly disappointing. But again, the benefit for us, of course, is he's coming back, he's coming back early, and he's coming back not injured by the look of it. So... Um, it, it screws up my team that I was predicting for the uh, for the weekend, but in a nice way because I've now got a slip hole back into my team. Oh, so you think he'll actually get back into the side for the City game? I'm I'm convinced he'll he'll be in, certainly in the squad because he's flying back on Friday. So I've been led to believe, not confirmed yet, but um, I think he's flying back Friday, so he'll be there for for selection on Saturday. I would think. What do you think now, Ed? Do you put him straight back in for the City game or do you give him uh, the rest for the weekend? Uh, I would probably rest him for the weekend given the league games we've got coming up are just far more important, I think. If he's mm. a, the travel back, I don't know what the sort of length of flight and stuff was. If he's only getting back on Friday, uh, then it's a bit much to ask him to start on Saturday for sure. Possibly the bench, but I certainly wouldn't start him on Saturday. Yeah, I think I'd definitely just be leaving him out of the squad. Uh, we'll talk a bit later, obviously, about whether it'd be a good idea to win against Man City or not. But that's for later discussion. Um, Wayne Hennessy's been celebrating a birthday this week. Were, did either of you two send him a birthday card? Saw him outside the ground. I threw him one, but he dropped it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wasn't on my Christmas card list either. So he's only ain't going to get a birthday card off me. <laughs> Yeah, um, he couldn't make a decision whether he was going out for his birthday. First he was, then he wasn't, then he was going, then he wasn't. <laughs> Poor my, old Wayne. my understanding was he did take one step to the right to near the front door and then went back in again. <laughs> <laughs> By the time he decided, his wife had given up and gone without him. <laughs> Don't you wow. think we are, we're, we're giving this guy an awful hard time? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, for, I mean, that is a bit harsh because he did have a very good game. I thought in well in patches, I'd say against Everton. So yeah, uh, a couple of very good saves in there. And obviously, uh, the the Crystal Palace Twitter account this week and in the last couple of days have been asking people for their favourite Homesdale moments. So I'm kind of dropping this on you guys. So have a little think and. Think about what you what have been your favourite Homesdale moments. I assume they, they mean the new Homesdale. Uh, a lot of it seems to have been very Premier League oriented that people are answering. But uh, mine. Uh, Give us a clue what they're answering. Uh, well, you know, a lot of people are saying Sp- Spironi's testimonial, Jason Punchin's goal against Norwich, Gal's goal against Liverpool, just sort of things that have happened in front of the Homestyle. I mean, for me, um, Dougie Friedman's brace in that mad three minutes in the 1997 playoff semi-final against Wolves was one moment that I always remember from being in the Homestyle when he scored, Jamie Smith went down the other end and scored and got an away goal and then he immediately scored. So that's all. And Gareth Davies gave Jamie Smith a bunch of abuse on the goal line. That always um, sticks in my mind. Um, so go on, Nick. You've you've only been in Homesdale about three thousand times. It's, it's difficult to give you. I mean, obviously, in recent times, it would be some of the displays, some of the uh, lower Homesdale displays. Yeah, it sets us apart from everybody else. But going back a hundred years, and you know, I can do that quite easily. <laughs> I mean, um, shut it. Um, and it's. 
Yeah, it's got to be. I've been on the Homesdale, the old terraced Homesdale, when there's only been about less than a thousand people there. And what made, what made me used to laugh is that it'll be a freezing cold Tuesday night, and there'll be fifty of us out of that thousand people. That, Everybody else is spread out all over the Homesdale and 50 of us in the middle still singing for the team. And it's just, it must have looked, oh, I'm going to do it. It must have looked so shit. So shit. <laughs> <laughs> were, you, um, were, you, were you going during Mullery times? Yeah. Yeah. So is that the sort of period you're talking about? Yeah, well, I'm, there's been loads of times in the, in the late... 70s where the, the crowds were you know 6,000 at home to bury on a cold Tuesday night well you can understand why they didn't want to go and you know the crowds didn't want to go and it was just like mm. it's so sparse that you, they used to, you used to phone the club and say what time's kickoff they said what time can you make it it's like <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, is like that, that. We'll, we'll wait for you <laughs> <laughs> and bring your boots because we're a player short sort of thing you know <laughs> <laughs> what about you Ed what's your favourite homestyle moment uh, I think mine's probably in more recent times. I think the the gale, the three three with Liverpool. I don't remember mm. the Homesdale being as rocking as it was then. Mm. That was just mad in there that, when that third goal went in. Yeah, it certainly was. A few few alternative moments um, in mind of all the Americans talking about alternative facts this week. <laughs> Some alternative moments for me have been. Uh, Jermaine Easter and Sean Scannell in the last in injury time against Coventry was carnage. Talking about there not being many people in the Homesdale, I think there was only about eleven thousand people there that night. That was a that was a brilliant couple of moments. Yeah. And the last the last game from a couple of seasons ago when we beat Swansea, Shamak scored. That just I just remember the atmosphere that day just being absolutely rocking and everyone believing that good times good times were ahead. I guess I, they still were. I have got another one. I mean, unfortunately for you guys, it's something. I witnessed that you'll never see in the history going forward of Palace was obviously the 52,000 crowd at night against Burnley. Mm. Um, and the it's it, wherever I've watched football over the years, and I've seen a lot of football, I've never seen it where some guy at the back of back of the Homesdale sneezed and the bloke at the front got crushed. I mean, it was just, it was, it was <laughs> like, it was like the old visions of the cop. Do you remember seeing the pictures of the cop? where it used to move and sway. Well, that's what mm. the Homestale Terrace was like that night for the Burnley game. It was just outstanding. And, of course, we remembered that earlier on in the season with Ian Walsh and uh, Vince Allaire. So We did um, indeed. We were on, we were on look, together. Yep. yep. So if you look through our back catalogue, you can listen to Nick moaning at Ian Walsh for his Dr. Martins being ruined. <laughs> God, you've got a good memory, you? Yeah, I, I try. Uh, well, let's move on to the Man City game then. Um, Ed... FA Cup run. If you remember last season, there was a lot of polls going around, uh, people asking the question, relegation and FA Cup win or eighth and get knocked out of the FA Cup in the third round. And it was very, it was very, very close. So, uh, But we never really, when these polls were going around, looked like relegation was a real possibility because that didn't start to look the case until about February or March. So now that... In January, we're in the bottom three and relegation is looking a possibility. I'm going to ask you the same question that everyone was asking a year ago. Relegation and an FA Cup win or stay in the Premier League? Uh, stay in the and, Premier League. I'm not sure if eighth is possible now, but stay yeah, in the or Premier just League. Just stay in the Premier League, <laughs> I think, is the best we can hope for at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and what, what about you, Nick? And he's quite right as well because it's... 
you know, the FA Cup is the, the, the glory, really, isn't it? It's, the, it's what everybody wants, everybody aspires to. But we're, we're not in the position now where we can actually say, OK, we can financially, we're not in the position where we can say, OK, we'll sod the Premier League, we'll lose that 150 million quid, 200 million quid, as long as we've got the glory of that bit of silverware. We're not ready yet. Stay up in the Premier League. Undoubtedly stay up in the Premier League. Well, uh, my answer remains the same as it was last year. I take the FA Cup every single time. Really? And consider, yeah, and considering, um, you know, we've got a lot of players in our squad with championship experience, uh, so we can go down and come straight back up. So I'll, I'll, I'll take the FA Cup, and then the following season, I'll take the championship winner's medal as well. So Do you really think that would happen, price of one. Do you think that people like Kabaib and Teke, uh, even Zaha, well, Townsend, for whatever, um, much... Do you think they'll stay? <laughs> well, much will. M- M- much will be like prime prime time midfielder in that sort of division. So uh, no, I mean, if you look, if you go back to two thousand four five and you look at the squad we went down with that season, and then we added to it as well, it was it was criminal that we didn't come straight back up, and then we were stuck there for eight years, and it's it's a very very difficult division to get out of, but. It's a trophy. We're, what are we now? 111 years old as a club and we still don't have a major piece of silverware. Yeah, definitely. So I'll, I'll, see, I'll see most of those years <laughs> as well. <laughs> before, you, before you bloody will say it. Okay, but I know, but our existence is more important than that. We have got so much expenditure with a huge wage bill and all these yeah. new ground developments and everything else. It would financially ruin us. By, if we, okay, I know we get, I think we get 50% of our income still the parachute payments if we go down and then mm. drops down to 25 the following year if we still got half the wage bill we got now then we will be in financial ruin and I'd rather that we had the financial stability having gone through both administrations than um, winning a cup but this time next year you might be right last year you might be right but this year definitely not yeah, I think there's in these contracts now, there's a lot of relegation drops in wages. So if you go down, the contract just kicks in that their wages reduce. So the wage bill goes down a little bit. We'd keep half the squad and probably be good enough to come straight back up. But like I say, mate, I think after 111 years and no trophy, it would be nice to have that first piece of major trophy at any point, any time of anywhere. I would take that. So um... We've already got silverware. That you can't I, say there's any data systems, Trent. and I was there as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, silver, but, mate, you, we won it. It was silver, were, and we were, won it. Quite right. You, you were sitting next to Jesus at the final <laughs> meal, mate. So, um... <laughs> right, that's enough. Now move on. <laughs> yeah. So, so, all right. So, just looking at the game in isolation, Ed. Do you do you think you know? I'd, I'd take advantage to the next round because if it does, it means we beat Man City. And do you think that will breed a lot of confidence in the team? Yeah, I mean, certainly more confidence than scraping past Bolt and gave us. I think I'm not particularly fussed about having a cup run. I think the, obviously the league is far more important and the next sort of five or six games we've got coming are all sort of bottom half sides that are very winnable. So the run we've got coming up is really important. So I'm not overly fussed about a cup run, but like you say, beating City will should you know, beating one of the best teams in the country should give a bit of confidence to the players and that's certainly what we need at the moment because it does seem to be at rock bottom I think it's I think it's important to certainly avoid getting thumped mm. I mean yeah once ta- yeah taking that in mind Nick getting getting thumped could be the real end of us because you know City have got the ability 
to beat you five, six, seven nil, haven't they? Yeah, while Ed was saying that, what he was saying at the beginning of his uh, little rant, now I was actually thinking, really, I'm not so sure that playing City on Saturday and getting a good kick in, what will that do for their confidence? Um, I think what it will be useful for, and I'm assuming, and we're going to be talking about it a lot on the main show on Sunday, we'll have some new signings by then. What it will do is give us an opportunity to see some of these new signings and maybe uh, sort the formation out before the important games that he alluded to uh, over the next few weeks. Okay, so let's look at formations. So based based on what we have available at this moment, are you are you sticking with three five two Ed? Uh, I mean, I think it depends what he wants to now. Obviously, Zaha's back. Whether he's going to play three five two or whether he's going to play four four two, I think we should play the system on, at the weekend, the one that he's going to go forward with in the league, just to get them more used to playing it. So if he's going to go with a three five two, even now Will's back, then play it at the weekend to get players used to playing that system. Mm. Um, Nick, what do, you, what do you think about Zaha in, as a wing back in a three-five-two? Not going to happen in the million years. It's not. I mean, the one thing, the one area of Zaha's game that has changed dramatically over the last eighteen months is he's tracking back and able to help out the defence. Okay, but he ain't no wing back. He's an out-and-out winger. Okay, and anybody that says he's, uh, we should try him as a wing back, not this time of year, not in the predicament we're in. My concern, my, I have got a little bit of a concern about the three-five-two system. Because we're not playing with any confidence anyway. And to introduce a new system, albeit they actually played pretty well on uh, the weekend, um, my concern with the 3-5-2 is they're not ready for it. A, we haven't got the players for it. We haven't got the standard of players for it. Um, but it's to change the system in the situation that we're in. It could have gone car crash material. Um, I would personally stick with the 4-4-2. And I, I enjoyed what I saw with Remy and Ben Teke up front the other day. I thought they were... Yeah, they look solid, okay, and it's it's work in progress. But work in progress on the actual system, I think it's car crash. Hmm. And especially with the likes of David Silver and Kevin De Bruyne running around the midfield, they can undoubtedly cause us problems. Ed, is is Yaya Torre going to score another brace against us? Well, probably always bloody does. <laughs> <laughs> it's guaranteed. Even when he hasn't I, played for them for months and months, he comes back in. Uh, yeah, I couldn't quite believe that in, that in the league game when he just turned up and oh look, I do still play for Manchester City. Here I am. Yeah. Here's here's a couple of couple of goals for you. Um, what sort of team do you think Man City are going to put out, Nick? Do you think they're going to put a strong one because of their league form and it looks like that there's no chance of them winning the title now and the best they can probably hope for is the Champions League place? So he's going to, got, he's going to want a cup, I'd imagine. I think you're absolutely right. I, don't think, I mean, I think he'll be struggling to get a Champions League place. I mean, their form of, of late. I mean, the one thing about this weekend, of course, is they are highly beatable. They are highly vulnerable at the back, OK? Um, I think... I think he'll put out his strongest possible team and we will take a whooping on Saturday. And that's my prediction. Uh, Simply because he's got nothing else to play for. I don't even think he's got a European spot. I don't think they'll be in the top four. I really don't. My opinion, but... Strong words. What about you, Ed? What's your opinion on City season so far? Uh, I think you're spot on in terms of what they'll play this weekend. I think they'll go strong because I I think they're not in for the title race. Um, So I think they'll go strong. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do worry. It's, it's both sides. Looking at, I watched the game against Everton a couple of weeks ago, and 
they just really looked bereft of ideas. It was very unusual to watch a City side struggling to break a team down so much and Everton just so freely on the break, counter-attacking them and so on. But I think it's a kind of similar to us in terms of trying to get used to playing in a 3-5-2. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot easier for us than for them in terms of the philosophy along with the shape change that Guardiola is trying to get across. And it's just really weird watching them when you see the likes of Zabaleta and Kolarov and Sanyo all ending up in sort of defensive midfield roles trying to get the ball rolling. And it's, they definitely look very, very vulnerable under a, a press there. And if we play 3-5-2, if we put out a decent team and you've got um, two strikers in there and you've got the midfield three that we have, perhaps we can cause some problems by pressing them right um... up the pitch. Do you think uh, Guardiola is now starting to struggle as a manager? He thought he was going to come in, uh, add a couple of players and clean up on the season and be challenging for all, all honours. And now he's actually got to the stage where he's, hang on a minute, this is hard enough that I envisaged it would be. Do you think he's under any threat? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think there's going to be any sort of immediate reaction and say that Man City aren't going to give him any time. Uh, I think he's probably found the Premier League a little bit harder than he thought it was going to be. But every manager talks about that when they come to the Premier League. It's not like all the others. He's only ever played in a two-team division before. And you come to the Premier League, and specifically this season, which is probably all Leicester's fault from last season because they made everyone buck their ideas up. Yeah. There's now a top six. And uh, you've got five teams that can uh, you know, really, really win. They can win every week and pick up result after result where, you know, Man City are then got to face seven, eight more teams in the division who are still capable of beating those top six. So it's definitely a lot more, a new challenge for him. Uh, but I just don't think he's got the personnel, like I was just t touching on before, looking at you like so Kolarovs and Sanjas and stuff. I don't think they're going to fit into his system. So he'll add in the summer, definitely, probably in this window as well. And, Probably will turn it around, but you know, I, t I don't, I don't really care. <laughs> I, I don't care. I don't care what he does. I hope, he, I hope he fails miserably starting on starting on this Saturday when um, they turn up to Sellers Park. Right, uh, we'll finish the chat there on the game. Next up, we're going to be joined by Walshy from the Roker Reports, and he is going to give us a lowdown on potential signing Patrick Van Arnholt. <laughs> Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Right, we are now joined by Walshy from the Roker Report. Hello, mate. Hi, mate. How's it going? Very well. <laughs> Personally, very well. Uh, in the Palace world, not so great, mate. But um, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> yeah, hopefully, nah. you're going to che cheer us up a little bit. Um, obviously, we've been heavily, <laughs> heavily linked to Patrick Van Arnholt. Earlier on, when I messaged you, you described him as the most frustrating player that Sunderland have. So, do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Um, well, you'll get to know this in a in a couple of weeks. Um, he is a he's a very good player in there somewhere, but um, his main issue is he doesn't want to be a left back. He doesn't seem uh, he doesn't seem to like doing the defensive part of it. Very good player going forward, um, but if you think you're getting a left back, you might be a bit disappointed. Mm, yeah, so Sam Allardyce, he installed a 3-5-2 towards the back end of the season he was with you, is that correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, with Van Aanholt was playing, we had the, well actually it was more, we had four at the back um, where we had uh, Van Aanholt on the left and Yedlin mm. on the right with Kone and Kabul in the middle. Um, and yeah, we, 
we played very much uh, counter-attacking, uh, soaked everything up. I mean, you are right. When we did play a 3-5-2, when we uh, came down to Sellers Park uh, uh, <laughs> last year, <laughs> that was it. Was that the, the three-five-two <laughs> was the curse of Alan Pardew? Is that anyone who came to Sellers and played three-five-two quite comfortably picked up a result? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it was quite surprising. Uh, quite surprising for us that he played that system. Um, but the tail end of um, this is the positive thing for Crystal Palace fans is that Allardyce knows he knows how to get the best out of Van Aanholt. He was the one who actually taught him how to defend. Um, because the back end of last season, from about February onwards, we were a really solid unit, and we were. Everyone's, everyone says this thing of how it was a, we had like a great escape or whatever. But if you look at the results from February onwards, we were really solid. Only lost one game, and stayed up on merit, where as opposed to the other times, we've just panicked in the last six and like beat everyone for some reason. Um, but I assume when this partnership, I think this is why. Um, he wants him this much because he is. Allardyce knows he could probably get him to defend, and also he offers a re- he offers really good going forward. It only speaks volumes that he's our second top goal scorer, and that part of his game is great because he can he can go forward and he does get in. He's got like he does have sometimes show the instincts of a striker. Even you see him popping up in the box where these loose balls come down and he's trapping them in. Um, <laughs> It's the defensive part of it that's going to infuriate you, and yeah. it's infuriating us, because mm. he's so prone to lapses of concentration. And before Allardyce come in, it was every week he'd be just not tracking runners or not, just not thinking. Um, but you've got all that to look forward to, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I saw. Um... I was looking at the stats, and one of the ones that jumped out at me was he's very, very low on blocking crosses. Is that something that stood out to you, that he, he's unable to get across and block them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he can't block crosses. Um, like, like I said, he's defending is not his forte. Um, you only have to look at... Well, I think in the past couple of weeks, we've been absolutely dreadful. And it's, and it's looked like he's not wanting to be here. His head's been clearly been turned by all this speculation. And if you, I don't know if you saw the highlights of um, the West uh, uh, travesty at West Brom on Saturday, he got, I don't even know what he was trying to do. Um, <laughs> he allowed Darren, Darren Fletcher, of all people, to have the freedom of the six-yard box where he just watched him spin, kick it in, and then flail the leg out of it. And then the second one, he, he just got tortured by Matt Phillips all game. It just looks like a player to me that he's just like he doesn't want to, he doesn't fancy this anymore. So maybe it's probably good on all parts that he goes. It's good money for us. You're getting a player that your manager really wants, and we don't have a player that just doesn't want to be there anymore. Yeah, well, that really worries me. That aspect in terms of us funding your survival bid, right? Not so great, but obviously we'll see how it works out. But today we've also been linked with Envia, which um, was an interesting scenario at Sunderland because he did very, very well when Anadice brought him in, but mm-hmm. um, he didn't end up signing permanently. What happened there? Well, this is something that's upset a lot of Sunderland fans and why David Moyes has been on the back foot really. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Essentially, we had him on a loan from Ruben Kazan. And apparently in that, in his contract, that if we stayed up, we had an option to buy him. But when it came to the summer, he only had something like four months left on his contract. And Ruben mm. Kazan wanted between eight and ten million pounds for four months of the uh, summer's contract. And we're not, we don't have much money. So we're like, OK, so the summer came and went. But then we all, then it said there was a, a thought that we've got him on this like kind of pre-contract agreement. So in January, we get him for nothing. Um, and that, and then when he came round to it, he said he wants to cancel that contract. And then he signed another contract with uh, Ruben Kazan. Um, it's, it's still a very sore spot for a lot of Sunderland fans. And he was, he was a major difference last season. Even, even when we were struggling at the beginning of the season, he was by far, by far one of our best players. And when we, and when that that great run towards the end of the season was indicative of that the little triangle of Envy, uh, Kershaw, and uh, Catamol, that was really mm. that was really solid. But um, whereas Kershaw and Catamol were really like the defensive work, and Envy could Envy st- started attacks, and he's just he's all around just a, a very classy player. And also that if you do uh, if you do actually sign him, a lot of people will be weeping on their side. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Um, do you think that lack of spine is going to mean that this is the season that you actually do you can't avoid the drop? Yeah, we've we've had we've had a lot of injuries and we've had a lot of injuries. Like we've got an entire team out, but I, there's nothing to suggest to me that there's any way this team will stay up. I know we we, have, we say it every year that there's. We say every year we're dead and buried at like March, and everything thinks we're finished, and then we somehow pull it out of the bag. But this, this year, it's just I can't see anything. I mean, the past, I think, bar about a three-game spell in November, we've been absolutely abysmal. No, there's no form of plan on the pitch. There's no form of plan in the the transfer market. Of, of you've probably seen that we bought the powerhouse of Johnny Westcott for the other day. <laughs> To go alongside, Lee, uh, sorry, not Leon Osman, not yet anyway. Stephen <laughs> Pienaert, <laughs> Pienaert and Ichiv, and uh, mm. I can't remember, but he's getting the he's getting Everton's 2019 back together for some reason, and watching <laughs> dragging us down. It's yeah, if you think it's bleak at Palace, I might just need to cheer you up. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, um, we'll just all wallow in the misery. Um, I mean, I'm. <laughs> yeah. I, I look at our fixtures and I struggle to see us getting past 35 points. So then our only hope really yeah. for me is that the three below us get fewer than 35 points. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, the next, I mean, our game in a couple of weeks is obviously humongous and uh, you're, you're mm-hmm. off the back of a couple of good results at Sellers Park in recent years. So it's a worrying one. Yeah. Yeah. After years of getting smashed down there, uh, <laughs> yeah. for some reason we've been in a little bit of form. But mm. I put that I put that on Alan Pardew for some reason. 
we never beat him. We never beat him at home, but we'd always like we always walloped him when we played Newcastle, and he must have just carried that on. Although he did did a number of at the Stadium of Light this this year. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think that was. Um... That's just when you're lucky. That's luck, isn't it? When as Ledley getting mm-hmm. that deflected goal immediately after the second one going in completely changed the game. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, we don't we don't have any sort of luck like that at the moment. Look, mm-hmm. Walshy, thank you so much for joining us, mate. It's been um, been very very insightful, and I hope uh, Allardyce can get the best out of Van Arnold again if we if we do end up signing him from you. <laughs> and yep. and um, I'll be nice and say I hope you put the 12 million to decent use. Well, I won't count on it, but yeah, cheers. (laughs) Okay, fella, thank you very much. All right, see you a bit, mate. See you, mate, bye. Homestyle Radio, Freeview Podcast, sponsored by fanduel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Right, so that was Walshy there on Van Arnholt, lads. Uh, What were you thinking, Nick? I've got a little bit of a concern about the actual signing altogether. Number one in 12 million quid, I know in the Premier League these days is not a lot of money. Okay, And your point earlier when you were talking to Walshie about funding their relegation battle, um, my concern is where we're actually going to play. If you listen to what he just said, okay, he's talking about the fact that he's not a left-back. Okay, Well, neither is Geoffrey Schlup. And by the way, my thoughts on Geoffrey Schlup, I thought he gave us balance that we haven't had for weeks and weeks and weeks last weekend. Mm. And... He played well on that on that left side, but he's not a left back either. So are we any further down the line on the left back situation? Because if Van Arnholt's not one and Schlupp's not one, and neither of them want to play there, what's the point in buying him if we've already got Schlupp, got Schlupp doing the same job? Well, we've obviously already had uh, so Patrice Evra has signed for Marseille, Marseille. today, I believe. Yeah, Is that yes, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So that's that link obviously gone away. Um, and, you know, supposedly we've been linked with Robbie Brady today. But again, he's another player in a similar sort of vein to Schlupp and um, Van Arnholt. They've both, they've all played left back. Maybe it's just something about getting left-footed players in the squad, which we've been lacking um, to just give us that sort of balance and that flexibility. You know, there's a lot of... I think there's a lot of talk these days in having multifaceted players. So if you look at the likes of, and now obviously I'm not putting us in this bracket, but you like your Barcelonas and your Real Madrids and your Bayern Munichs under Guardiola and so on. They have players that are very, very accomplished in plenty of positions. So I think the theory is there to have those options. So if you're coming up against certain people some week, you might want to play a 4-4-2 and have Van Arnholt. Uh, and uh, Schlupp on the same wing because you feel that there's a lack of pace in the other team, so you might want to exploit it. So I think um, I, th- I just think it's getting left-footed players into the squad and name, name me a name me a good defensive left back. But the other, my, your point is again well made. But I was just so. Do you think we're going to get Brady as well? So that would be. I mean, we've we gone from a team with uh, four right-footed. Uh, Defensive, okay, <laughs> to buying Brady, Schlupp, Van Arnholt, and getting Soiree back, okay, we'll end up with four of them now from going from sublime to the bloody ridiculous. Well, what do you think, Ed? Do you think if if we were to sign all three, it would signal the end of Townsend? Uh, yeah, I think if Brady comes in Townsend, whether it's going to be on a loan and then they'll buy him in the summer with a loan fee just to get him off of our wages because the financial fair play mm. thing. But I think if Brady comes in, I think that's Townsend 
gone, whether it's a loan or whether he's selling. I think Van Aanholt has been signed as a left-back, Nick, I think. As well, she said, he, Allardyce, if anyone can coach him into being a left-back, and that's when he was the closest to being a proper left-back. But he has yeah, had, was, was but, with Allardyce. But he hasn't signed, though, has he? I mean, that's the other thing. That's the curious thing, that the clubs have agreed a fee. We've agreed personal terms, but for some reason, the deal hasn't gone through. And it's now, where are we now? Wednesday, Wednesday and it still hasn't happened. Well, there's all these um, social media detectives that, you know, obviously posted a red and a blue heart on his Instagram picture the other night, which was him supposedly in Nando's in Sutton. Now, I've never been to Nando's in Sutton. <laughs> have either of you two been to Nando's in Sutton? I, I, I Nick, have. I have you down as the person who loves a cheeky Nando's. Yeah, I do like a cheeky Nando's in Sutton, funny enough. And uh, <laughs> I, I put it that way, I didn't recognise that, that cheeky Nando's in Sutton. In that <laughs> So I think that could have been somebody playing around with his wiki and playing around with that other profile that you're talking about. <laughs> well, maybe it will be. Uh, right, look, we'll end the chat there about Van Arnholt and um, obviously we'll see. Obviously, I, I, t- I guarantee you what will happen. Uh, as soon as this podcast is put out, um, he will sign because that's just <laughs> that's just the way recorded media goes these days. Oh, and, also, uh, and also, before we move on, other five food restaurants are available, by the way. Oh, they, they are. Look at you getting in um, host host mode. Anyway, look, we're going to end that there and afterwards we'll be up with um, some predictions for the game on the weekend. Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast sponsored by fanjewel.co.uk The next generation of fantasy football. Right, so we'll start with um, listener predictions. I say as I open up my mobile phone and check the tweet that I sent out five minutes ago asking for them. Um, we've got at CPFC Arts has gone for a nil four loss. Uh, Callum Roper has gone for a 1-3 loss. Uh, I am the J-Law has gone for a 3-0 to City. Let's concentrate on the league, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we're doomed. <laughs> uh, otherwise known as Dan, has gone for 2-0 to City. Yaya Torre to score both. Um, Ryan Delhunty, Delhaunty, Delhaunty, Delahunty, we'll do that. Has gone for 5-0 City. But amongst all of that, we do have one win, and that's a 2-1 win to Palace from Dan Quarterbine. Good on your day. So, Ed, what, what are you thinking? I think it will rest a few players with what we've got coming up in the league, and we'll lose 3-1. Three, one. Not not the as long as we avoid a morale crushing six nil thumping, I'm not too fussed. What about you, Nick? Tough one this week, isn't it? You normally am I still the only one in history that's actually got one right? I think you're the only one that's got the exact score <laughs> right still, which is just astounding, really. My, my headphones are going tight on my head because my head's getting bigger, obviously. But um, the but we have had a lot of weird scores like drawing 3-3 three, three at a hole and all of that stuff so it's a bit hard to predict you got the gen the pretty banker one right so you're all right <laughs> oh yeah i thought the easy one yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> but it's in all seriousness it's a tough one to call because we don't know the the squad that allardyce is going to put out you two might be right he may end up wrestling resting half the squad um my my prediction will be though uh 2-1 victory to city Okay, um, I'm going to go for basically based on the fact that everything is going wrong at the moment. Inevitably, we're going to draw one-one, so we have to play a replay, <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll go up to the Etihad, and then we'll get spanked. So, 
it's a it's a one one for me, and uh, Fraser Campbell will score our goal somehow. <laughs> you, you really need to stay off that magic dust. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the moment, it's a bottle of seven point three percent old rosy. Other go. ciders are available. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so we'll wrap up that little quick section there. And then next up, we're going to, um, instead of focusing on one classic match this year, we're just going to have a little remember of some classic fourth round FA Cup tyres from the past. And another free kick to Crystal Palace in a dangerous position. They've been getting the corners and they've been getting the free kicks. And they've been increasing their game together much better than Leeds. Peter Taylor's clipped. He had to have one sooner. Feel that's a good clip cross, and they might have made something of it. They have made something of it. Ray has given Crystal Palace the lead. Butterfield in for the hat trick. Astonishing. Of all the unlikely heroes, and there is absolutely no doubt now. Aston Villa await. Zaha. Shows that turn of pace and still going forward. This is Ward. Muscles in from the right-hand side. Beautiful flick. This is Shamak. Brilliantly taken. Mano and Shamak with his third of the season. And Palace are in front here. Yeah, guys. So um, I had a look around. Uh, had a fit for our history. Our fourth round tyres. And there were some pretty good ones uh, that... I saw there we got so obviously I'm gonna to have to start with you Nick 1976 one nil at Leeds in the in the famous FA Cup run of that year was did you make the trip to Ellen Road that season this is going to be a really odd one for you so you've never heard me so come, these words come out of my mouth but out of those games that you chose do you know I didn't go to a single one of them really I know I, I didn't go to a single one what you the 1976 game however was one of our Better, uh, better squads that we've ever had. Hinchelwood, Cannon, Whittle, Taylor. What a, what a team of players that was. But um, Swindlehurst is superb. But then we came up against this team with the, the bruising Yoroth, Bremner and Lorimer, mm. uh, Eddie Gray, Clark, and that's sort of, again, what a fantastic squad of players that they had at that time. But no, I didn't go to the game. Yeah, so it was uh, Swindle, Swindlehurst nodded in a Peter Taylor cross from a free kick, wasn't it, to... Um... Yeah. Give us an upset because we were what we were third division that that season. We were, we were, we were, uh, and, uh, and no, they, they were in the old first division, of course. And well, they were they were title challenging, weren't they? At that point, my children don't believe when I tell them about the, the Leeds United of that era. I said they were a powerhouse, a super powerhouse. Mm. They were the you know the Man United, and the Chelseas, and the Man Cities of the seventies, and they were a cracking team. I was say they were pretty much favourites that year, weren't they? Yeah, I think they were. Yeah. I'm having from the research I did as I was uh, <laughs> very good. Nowhere near being born, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, well, we, 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 experienced, <laughs> we experienced Leeds in uh, more in the 90s for us, and Ed, am I right? And we 
you know, we saw them get to Champions League semi-finals and challenge regularly for a few seasons in there, make some big signings. Yeah, before it all went horribly downhill for them. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I remember. I remember them. They beat us two-one at Sellhurst in that sort of time. Harry Kill scored, and um, there was a Tommy Black goal that crossed the line, wasn't given. That was another good one against Leeds. Um, another one we was gonna look at. Um, 1998, Bruce Dyer, yes, the Bruce Dyer, scored a hat-trick at Sellers Park against Leicester. Um, now, Ed, you, you, were you going that season, that Premier League season? Yeah, I started going, um, sort of my, I think my first game was the promotion a couple of years prior. So. Glory Hunter. <laughs> Glory, indeed. Well, I, I think it's more age, Nick. You yeah. know, it was when he was old enough to go. But that was the, um, the season we couldn't win at home until the third or fourth last home game of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, out of the blue, we absolutely spanked Leicester 3-0 with Bruce Dyer scoring a, scoring a hat-trick. hat-trick. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, then, do, you, do, you, do you care to tell us who was in goal for Leicester that day? Who would have been in goal for Leicester? No, I haven't got a clue. Ed? Uh, Walker? No, it's Casey Keller, the ex-Millwall yeah. goalkeeper, American, the American guy. American guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, again, when I looked at those games, the list of games that you sent out earlier, and I thought I must have been on the white powder stuff because I never remembered Bruce Dyer scoring a hat-trick for us. Mm. And I looked, nice. I, looked I, I looked, it up on YouTube and I thought, oh, my God. I mean, what, what did make me laugh, however, is the first goal, typical Palace goal, wasn't it, from Speroni's <laughs> hands. And... We know the route it took, straight down the middle, punt, and in it went. It's fantastic. I love how you're, you've are you just had this belief in your head that Speroni's been at the club forever. This is 1998, mate. It wasn't Oh, Spironi. no, it wasn't, it wasn't Speroni, was it? No, no, no. It was in goal for us then. It would have been Kevin Miller, big fat Kevin Miller. Oh, yeah, the chunky. <laughs> mm. um, and now one that um, really goes to my favourite on this list is up there in the top two is obviously the 2003 fourth round replay at Anfield when we won, to, when we won 2-0 with uh, Julian Gray scoring and Stefan Onsho scoring an own goal which was forced by forced by Gray did um, you make it to that one Ed? Uh, I didn't know I was, uh, couldn't make it up to Liverpool for that but did you go? Uh, Oh yeah, yeah. I went. Um, it was a it was a very interesting evening. It's the it's the only time at football I've ever um, had a bit of fisty cuffs. Oh really? When yeah, me and my sister got attacked outside the ground after by Liverpool fans. They're not very good Liverpool fans when they lose. They're they're very very sore losers. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> Can I? And, uh, do you mind if I jump in there? Because I'm going to describe something. You say that about they are not the nicest people in the world. But do you know what? The fourth, the um, three-two semi-final at Villa Park. Okay, this is the four, only three. Time, sorry, four-three. The only but time who's counting? The only time I'd ever experienced what I'm about to tell you was outside Villa Park, and they did have that reputation. You're dead right that they're not the the nicest of people. But outside the ground, every scouser that I saw walked up to you, and I'm thinking I'm going to get a punch in the mouth here. Okay, shook my hand and said, "Mate, you deserve that. Enjoy your day at Wembley." Enjoy your day at Wembley. And it kept happening. It didn't just happen once or twice. All the way down the side of the ground, the Scousers were doing the same thing. Was- yeah, but, you know, oh. for them, that was a period of time when the only, the next trophy was only just round the corner, you know. It's a, it's, a, it's a little bit different by 2003 when they're not winning very much. So, um, you know, losing an FA Cup. Because I remember I think if that season, if I'm rightly, a, a few of the favourites had gone out early doors as well. So it was one of those... Um, cups that were sort of there for the taking and yeah. 
but um the next one was on our little list here from the fourth round is 2010, the famous one when Danny Butterfield scored a perfect hat trick against Wayne Hennessy. Yeah. How how Ed were you? Did you make that one, Ed? I did. Yeah. I yeah. How have you not? How are you not there, Nick? I was actually <laughs> I was watching it because it was live on the TV and I actually watched it at home because I was skint and I just couldn't get a t- couldn't afford a ticket. That's all it was. But I remember the game very well. Over to you, Ed. You were there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've completely forgotten to know how to look at it today, or didn't even register because he obviously wasn't with us by then. But Wayne Hennessy in goal, and then <laughs> it was it was equally as bad then. <laughs> pa- do you know? Parrying, do you know what's parrying headers straight in, back in front of the goal for Butterfield to nod in for his first. Yeah, the first one. Yeah. Do you know um, what was interesting as well is uh, in the two-two draw at Wolves that um, forced his replay. Um, he takes a step away from a Darren Ambrose free kick and gets buried <laughs> in the bottom it's, corner. It, it's the Hennessy shuffle. <laughs> excellent stuff and then um, the last one on the list is from a couple of seasons ago when we went down to St Mary's and had that mad first half in the um, which Palace ended up running out 3-2 winners even even Yaya Sanogo got on the score sheet <laughs> yeah hold on a hold on hold on no goals you mean okay he actually had two <laughs> if you look at the clip on it again he had two one-on-ones with the Southampton keeper early in the first half and screwed them both up mm. Well, even um, if the goal that he did score was in the Premier League, it would have actually been awarded as an own goal because his shot was definitely, definitely going off target. But the rules are slightly different in the FA Cup, and it just has to the shot has to sort of be going in the general direction of the goal, because obviously the theory is that the player doesn't want an own goal and the striker wants a goal. And the general direction of the goal is about as good as Sonogo could ever manage. <laughs> I remember because it, the, he did have the ball in the back of the net another time, which was at Sellers Park. I can't remember who it was against. Big towering yeah. header, and um, he got big. The whistle got blown for climbing all over the defender. Although I thought it was a little bit harsh, but um, but yeah. That's so we had a the, the, in the, obviously in the Southampton one. I think Shamat got the winner, didn't he? I Ran, know. Ran I was just in the about to say that it was a beautiful move, and it was only today when I looked at it back on it, I thought to myself, "Do you know what? I miss Shams." He was a character. Mm. He, he, he was at the time he stood out from the rest of the squad because he was so technically better than everybody else. Okay, he was never you know injury prone and all that sort of stuff. We know all that, but he was a good player. Yeah, very very good technically. I thought, um, but more his haircut that made him stand out. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you got to have character type hair like that. And I I like Shamak being around because. Um, he went. Uh, I didn't have the worst haircut in Salas Park on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon. So <laughs> you do now. I do now. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know. There's some. There's some ropey ones in there. Wilf pops up with some terrible ones every now and then. Um, so yeah, but he's know. got. But he's got style though. He has got style. I, I believe the the kids call it swag these days, Nick. Uh, I wouldn't know, mate, would I? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not. Right. So we'll end our little um, fourth round journey there, and. Um, Hopefully, this uh, Saturday will give us another fourth round classic match to remember. Homesdale Radio Preview Podcast, sponsored by fanduel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Right, believe it or not, lads, that's that's almost it. The end, the end is nigh. It's um, flown by, mate. It's flown by. It, it has. I'd like to um, first thank Walshy from the Roker Report for for joining us and giving us his insight onto Van Arnholt and Envia there. And um, and thanks to Billiam for producing. I'm going to call him Billiam. 
that's what I'm going to call him. We've got we've got another Will. I can't call him Will. We'll all get too confusing. So um, he's a new producer on the team, so he's going to be doing this going forward. So if you have any problems, direct them all to him on Twitter. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the Manchester City Review Show this week will be live on Sunday from 8pm. As well as the usual outlets for listening live, you can now listen live on Facebook Live. Head to facebook.com forward slash whole radio. Like the page and you'll be notified when the show go live and you can um, spam it with all sort of emojis. So uh, <laughs> another way to interact with whole radio there. Of course, if you can't listen live, the podcast will be out from about 10 p.m. on Sunday night. This week, Nick, Phil Potts. I can't wait. Gonna, <clears throat> you are going to be deputising for Hambo and uh, you're going to be joined by Patrick O'Connor, Tim Warren and, of course, Ed Kellaway. And the great Eddie Ed Kellaway. Yeah, your se- your second live show, Ed, is it? Yeah, second one. So second the one. The first one was West Ham, which we lost as well. So, so not good I hope form going. I do in. hope that's not a precedent, Ed, because uh, I will. Of course, because you do realise I will pick you up on that on Sunday Sunday evening if it is. And don't forget, everybody, you can join us on as he says on Facebook Live, uh, Twitter, and we're also doing a live phoning. So get your phones ready. Oh two oh eight one two three double six double nine. <laughs> that's just Nick's personal house phone number he, he needs some company give him a call um, so please note however there, that there's not going to be a preview podcast for the Bournemouth game um, but there will be a live transfer deadline day show next Tuesday so I will assume I, I, it hasn't been confirmed but Steve Parrish is likely to join as he usually does on the transfer window there so that will be good uh, especially his last um, half an hour stint on whole radio is excellent so we look forward to that um, I will be freezing it up in Bournemouth in the game review of you two heading to Bournemouth no I'm doing the show in the evening alright I'm not I'm working I'm afraid yeah so um, I'm going to try and bring back three points for us in that one but anyway look thanks Ed and Nick for joining me tonight on this one Cheers, always, always a pleasure mate and until the Sunderland preview up the palace Homestel Radio Preview Podcast, sponsored by fanjul.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.